Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. everybody, I'm Joey Brenneman from Offscript Health, and this is the Tangential Conversation Companion to Offscript Health's Before We Die podcast. We fondly named this segment Lab Before Slab, because these are the sometimes random, often fascinating, and always a little bit quirky conversations that happen around our production table. Today's Lab Before Slab is about a medical device company that you're probably familiar with, Theranos Inc. and their infamous CEO, Elizabeth Holmes. Now, just know that we recorded this episode before the verdict came out in the fraud case against Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, but we decided to release it anyway because it was a fun conversation and it adds yet another dimension to this fascinating story. And here to share their insider's perspective are the Before We Die creators, Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. All right, everybody. So we are coming to the end of a season, and I think that we really can't get through these lab before slabs without talking about Theranos, because I know like, I came into this world not knowing anything about med tech, except I definitely watched The Dropout and the documentary that was done about her. And there's a book, which I just found out about that I have to read. So I'm curious, what is your relationship to her, to the story, to the world. Fill it out for us from your insider point of view. Sandy, what do you know? Okay, so this is, this one's really interesting for me because as if anybody has seen any or read um, all the things that that Joey just listed, (laughs) and I would, my, my recommendation is actually the, um, the book, uh, Bad Blood. You can start your Elizabeth Holmes Theranos journey there. Um, And that's the book written by the New York Times reporter who really broke the story. But the the dropout was also very good. Um, It had a very different take on this. So I met with Elizabeth Holmes when I was at Stanford. And she basically approached us at Biodesign looking for help. This is, I think, before she had actually even formed the company. So I met with her twice when she was at Stanford and then once after when she had decided to drop out to pursue Theranos. One of the things that was really interesting about her early on is, and, I, and I've and i learned over the years in uh, talking to some of the folks, uh, some of the faculty and other another person who shared his experience in talking to her about her idea, is they basically had different versions of the same response that Phyllis Gardner, a very notable uh, Stanford faculty person, notable in the Theranos story. And then she said, she told Elizabeth her idea was basically really crazy and was not work and she didn't know what she was doing. 
and she should just really like step back like do not go down this path because you're really not (laughs) this makes no sense and so she was told that multiple times so that you know and then she would be she was looking for help and guidance and she would you know have these meetings with people that I know like really know their stuff and were telling her the same thing uh, in different ways um Phyllis I think was the most direct <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes uh honestly I think that's a gift um and Phyllis Gardner's just incredible she's just a wonderful person and so Elizabeth didn't listen obviously and and that's kind of interesting when we think about some of the stories that we hear about and even some of the people that, you know, people that we have uh, already interviewed in in before we had episodes. So there's this fabulous story of, Hey, you have this big idea and it's so breakthrough that, that people can't accept it. You know, it's so different from what we know today. Then these are the people that we celebrate on stage, right? Right. Right. You know, years because they ignored all the naysayers and they made it happen anyway. And look at them, you know, and again, in, in talking to at least these two other folks, one, a very experienced healthcare venture capitalist and the other uh, very noteworthy uh, Stanford medical faculty person, they were really trying to help her and they were concerned about uh, because they knew it just technically wasn't possible. It really wasn't possible to do right. what she was trying to do at the time. And these are people who were literally sitting in the stream of all the latest medical, medical innovations, you know, the new ideas the you know, they'd seen a lot of crazy, right. So they, they sort of knew the difference. So <laughs> crazy in a good way. So, so I think that that's, that's really interesting. Now here's Elizabeth um, by the third meeting that I had with her. And this all happened in the span of, I would say about five months, she had gone from being a Stanford freshman to she was going out and having meetings with companies to find investment. When she would go and talk to these companies, she would start with having, you know, a meeting with some person and then they would stop the meeting and they would call in other people to like listen to this amazing idea in terms of how she she sort of shared that with me. So she was getting that reaction outside of Stanford, which was really interesting and just mm-hmm. fed in to this, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it delusion or whatever, that, you know, took her on the the path to, okay, I'm getting this reaction. I have enough validation where I'm going to leave Stanford, drop out of Stanford and go pursue Theranos. The other thing that helped her in this is that her dad had a lot of Washington relationships and particularly in the oil and gas industry. So she got her first $5 million from someone who had no understanding of the healthcare industry. It was, it was actually, I believe his profession was an attorney, but he was, you know, that he had been focused on the oil and gas industry. Do you, do you have his, do you have his number? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, right, <laughs> John. You'll I, you'll take that money any day, right? And I've got a I've got a great theater project that could five million yeah, would be more than you know exactly. So Elizabeth was, despite these sort of Stanford people um, and this VC, she was able to powerfully persuade people to go along with this idea and get excited about it. I know. I was going to say, John was giggling earlier. I kind of want to know why John was giggling. <laughs> so um, 
Well, I, I met Theranos the, through a different channel. I actually needed some blood tests when I was living out in Palo Alto, and I wanted them pretty quickly. So I went to the Walgreens on University Avenue, and they were offering Theranos right there in, in the Walgreens. And I had, you know, like, oh, it takes a drop of blood and, you know, you can tell if you're pregnant or whatever. Were which you, wasn't were you the pregnant? test I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, so I went in and um, they said, oh, for the test you want, we actually need to draw like regular amount of blood. So I said, okay, you know, at that point you're, you got that, you know, strap on your arm and you, you want to get a blood test. Uh, but I have, uh, they still in contact because I get mailings for the litigation lawsuit now as someone that was tested. Now, I didn't have anything stand out in my test, but I know a number of people that did. And I worked with a, on a scoliosis project with somebody whose very good friend was the guy, uh, if you know the story, who committed suicide. Oh, wow. Over this. So, you know, it it touched a lot of people. It's a small community, so it touched a lot of folks. Now, the math problem is pretty simple, right? So why people would think this wasn't going to work is we can just touch on, right? So say you have a, a marker for cancer. The blood's got a lot of stuff going on. So it's 10 particles out of a thousand. Okay. So if you start saying... I can look for that marker accurately if I just take a hundred samples and I'll just multiply it times 10. That'll get me to a thousand. I can use, you know, 10 particles is a lot. Well, now if you get one and you're only taking a hundred or you get two, that's sort of twice the signal. So are you twice as sick or are you not sick because you got zero? That's, that's why people early on would in the blood testing field would say, The math just doesn't work. The reason you need to take a lot of blood to do like peripheral blood, what they call PBMCs, to start looking at white blood cells and subsets of white blood cells and how your body's really responding to a nuance is because there's not a lot of them in the blood. So to have a reasonable number to make an assessment from, you have to take a lot of blood. And so that, like, people weren't just saying, you know, arbitrarily, they got it all figured out. This was an actual thing that they needed to do. And um, the sensing is imminent, we think, unless she successfully talks her way out of that. I mean, in the field, do we think she should, you know, go to jail? Yes. (laughs) I'll just vote. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, to the general public, um, the only person in medical technology who's famous is Elizabeth Holmes. And she's famous for being essentially, in my opinion here, 
uh, a con artist who went through the motions really brilliantly of what to look like and how to do a pitch. And she was an actor as opposed to a real innovator. What's interesting is that she hoodwinked so many people yeah. who theoretically know better. But I mean, there are lots of examples in recent history of con artists hoodwinking people in all sorts of endeavors who should know better. You know, the ubiquity of information that we have now with the internet doesn't mean that we have the proper filters to arrange it and make it meaningful. You know, information is raw material, it's not knowledge. And it's unfortunate that, you know, I've been involved in pitches of more substantive stuff that actually works and not had the success she's had in terms of fundraising because she went through the motions really well. And, you know, everyone wanted to support a, a woman inventor, which is great. There are lots of really talented women inventors. But she went through the whole Steve Jobs makeover and she sounded cool. And, okay, people were willing to shell out, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for it. I think it's that magnetism. And also I was thinking about when Paul Yock, when we asked him, like, who are the minds that are getting into the program at Stanford? And he said, it's that person who won't give up on a problem. That mind that says, I'm going to go at this again and again and again and again. And there was some perception of that maybe she wasn't she was going after this problem, but maybe it was more she was going after the idea and not the problem. So that energy of like that, like, wow, I'm going to make this happen was more like, whether it works or not, I'm going to make it happen is very different than I'm going to go after the problem and make the problem work. You know, uh, that's an interesting thing on that, because one of the things I think Dr. Young added was they're actually looking for people with a little more life experience as well. Oh, yeah. So wanting people that have a little more perspective, because, you know, just taking the, you know, the super achieving inexperience, and they're certainly qualified and, you know, some awesome young people. I know they've migrated to people with a little more life experience. One of the big parts of this whole story, in my view, and, and there's in the Bad Blood book, there's this point where you're there, um, the board is really concerned. Right. And this is when she has this real crazy board with, you know, people who are cabinet secretaries or former cabinet secretaries and things like that. And the majority of folks on her board, if not all of them, did not have experience in biotech, healthcare, et cetera. I mean, that was like big, big, crazy names, but no healthcare experience, like red flag. Yeah, exactly. But there's this one moment in time where it's like, okay, the board was going to have a conversation about removing Elizabeth because things weren't going well, right? The technology wasn't there. There were big problems, you know, and it's like this. And then, and then she came in and convinced them again. She, she spun it one more time and they kept her in place this is a really big board failure and that that's just one dramatic moment where it got all the way up to that point of okay we're going to talk about removing her but there are so many things that led up to that point mm-hmm. there there were signs you know there were right. very clear signs uh before that so anyway it's it's fascinating what sandy brings up is also really interesting because it wasn't just that Elizabeth was a really brilliant con woman, but that she was really shrewd in using the country's power structure, the really important people in Washington, the really important people in Silicon Valley, who didn't really know what or understand what she was doing, but 
You know, we're betting on the jockey and not the horse, as investors like to say. And she brilliantly used their power to protect her. And that lasted for much longer than it should have. So she was not just a, a really spectacular con person, but a really spectacular manipulator of the existing power structure. I mean, she really should have well, gone into politics. She'd go very far. I think one of the the reasons she ended up getting exposed was actually that she went public. I mean, the company IPO'd and went, ended up where it had Wall Street uh, scrutiny. If she'd stayed a private investment company and they realized that there wasn't anything behind it, they probably would have just folded. Uh, I don't know if it would, but it would not have ended up in a book and a movie and a comic strip and whatever it's going to turn into. And then when we think about, because jail is a real, it is not a topic that, that pops up in this field very often. If you put it on the metric of fraud in Wall Street, it's probably not that interesting, probably not that sexy a number, but you combine it with um, her story, Stanford dropout, you know, smooth talk and presented exceptionally well, it's going to see. And I I have a feeling she's going to do some time. Yeah. But we will see. We will. Yeah, we will see. And then she'll get into politics. I No, I think we'd need to discourage people who are really master manipulators or really good manipulators. I think we need to discourage those people from getting into politics. Just, right? I know more. I know I'm, a, I, I'm not a realist, maybe. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see. And we did see, because on November 18th, 2022, Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11 years and three months in federal prison for defrauding investors in Theranos, Inc. of hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, there you have it. (laughs) All right, that's all for now. But join us next time because you never know where the Lab Before Slab conversation is going to go. And for more in-depth conversations with today's MedTech innovators, join us for our regular episodes of Before We Die on this very same feed. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all of your friends to listen. Tell us a story in your own voice by leaving us a message at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855 855- Two eight three four six six six, and we might just use it in a future show. Before We Die is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producers are Joey Brenneman and Ariel Nachman. Our podcast co-creators are Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. Our sound mixer is Kyle Moore. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.